0: Band-aids are the solution to this. Sounding
1: more and more like it. What the-
0: <laughs> not not for your butt, the, for the, cur- the, the camera. camera-
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Careful which hole you cover up. Okay. <laughs> Smashing Security, episode 136. Oops, we created Iran's hacking exploit with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 136. My name is Graham Cluley. And
0: I'm Carol Terrio. How are you, Mr. Cluley? Oh, I'm all right, thanks.
1: You're over in Canada at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, did you notice? You're missing me. Oh, <laughs> the whole country's missing you, Carol. It's gone to hell.
0: Actually, I'd like to do a shout-out. I am in Canada, but um, yes? I went and saw my aunt Mimi. Right? She held a big party on the Mimi. weekend. And you know what she told me? She listens to the show every week. No. My oh. aunt. Yeah, she listens every week and she loves it. So Mimi, shout out for you. There you go. My goodness, <laughs> <laughs> Mimi
1: listens to you. You.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Mimi <that? laughs> listens to you. You exactly. <laughs> God, it's like I've heard that before. Um.
1: <laughs> now, uh, people may have already have noticed that we have a special guest who's joined us. So Crow, you're all away. You're far, far away in Canada, but even further away, I suspect, is our guest today, Charles van der Volt Charles, did I say your surname correctly? First of all.
2: Graham I think you said it as correctly as you're ever
1: going to say it so <laughs> let's go with that and explain to people where you are and who you are
0: and... maybe say your name correctly first so that people can actually know what it is oh, <laughs>
2: uh, so I'm Charles van der Vault.
0: van der Waalte.
2: Okay. Van der oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. and I am in Cape Town South Africa where I work for a pen testing company called Sensepost
0: and is it very hot there <laughs>
2: It's winter here so it's not yeah. very hot. Uh, there you go. I think we're struggling with a blizzardy
1: 16 degrees or something. Oh, Venture. how hellish that must be. 16 degrees Celsius. Oh, so chilly that one, isn't it? You know what um, they say about the snows in Africa. Oh, oh, don't start. Don't start <laughs> at that Christmas. Again. <laughs> now, um <laughs> now we met didn't we i was down in johannesburg giving a talk and you were there as well and a splendid time was had by all by all yes we did yeah it was a good old conference and uh, that's why Sad we've inf- missed it well you weren't invited carol oh to be fair. Well, <laughs> nice <No>. nice
0: sorry
1: <laughs> thanks no <laughs> carol to make up for it what's coming up on the show this week
0: well, first, let's high-five this week's sponsors, LastPass and Recorded Future. Their support helps us give you this show for free. On today's show, Graham looks into Zoom video conferencing software, Shal Talks Vulnerabilities Iran and U.S. Cyber Command, heavy stuff, and I visit the world of deep fakes. <laughs> All this and boatloads more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security.
1: Role. it's been six years—six years—since we quit our jobs at that cybersecurity firm. Six years, we,
0: one month, actually.
1: We, is it? Okay, <laughs> it's been—it's been quite a while, hasn't it? And mm-hmm. there are—there's a few things I miss. I don't know about you. There's a few things I miss.
0: Blues without any seat covers?
1: No, no, not 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 that. Not the uh, messages about not dropping jam on the on the carpet tiles, on the carpet tiles, or anything like that. No, no. Yep. You know, there's a few things I miss, but there's also quite a lot which I don't miss. And up high on that list of working in corporate life is meetings. Oh. Boy, I don't miss those one bit.
0: Especially the meetings when you weren't actually required to be there, but somehow you had to be there.
1: Let's be honest. I really wasn't needed at any of those meetings. Having me at any of those meetings was a disadvantage to everyone else in the meeting. It was just a waste of time for me and a waste of... Hey,
0: hey, don't put yourself down so much. No,
1: because, you know, there's really nothing worse than getting lots of people in a room to discuss something. In fact, there's only one thing worse. Than getting lots of people in a room to discuss something. And that's getting lots of people who aren't in the room to discuss something as well by teleconferencing. Do you remember some of the teleconference calls we were on? Hello, Australia! Can you hear me over there? Hello? <laughs> that, hello? Are you hello? There? Can you hear me? Hello? <laughs> It was like trying to collect the votes at Eurovision, Mm -hmm. as we would dial around the world and people wouldn't have the right number or people would drop off the call, just shouting at each other. It's like, really, a megaphone would have been better. I
0: had to go into the office once at like a a. 5am to do one of those.
1: Horrendous. Well, how could anything be worse? Well, I'll tell you how. By adding video onto a teleconference. Oh! Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Because then you can't even disguise how bored you are. So when you've been on the call for eight hours, and sometimes the calls do last that long, you know, you're rolling your eyes. Everyone in the Singapore office can see that you're actually playing solitaire or not really paying attention or <laughs> doing your receipts. Graham,
0: you know, the trick is just to be really, really quiet, right? Because then it doesn't actually, the camera doesn't focus on you. Most of these new video conferencing tools highlight whoever's making oh, noise. Oh, yes. STFU, Graham. STFU. <laughs> There is one advantage,
2: Graham. To be fair, yes, to video conferences, you don't have to wear trousers. <laughs> well,
1: I don't know what you do down there in Cape Town, <laughs> Charles, but in England we tend to wear trousers in the office. We tend not to sort of. But not in chronop- a video
2: conference. I
1: mean, it's bad enough getting jam on the carpet tiles, let alone getting something else on the seat covers. Oh, so you we had tend to go to, there. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, he yeah. went there. Now, I, I'm not a big fan of video conferencing. And despite now running my own business, I haven't been able to completely cut it out in my life. I do cover my webcam at all times. And if someone says, oh, can you turn your webcam on? It's like, well, if you don't need to see me, if, if this isn't actually being recorded for a webinar or something, I'm no, I can't.
0: Just for the record, I am perfectly happy not seeing you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. for everybody, really. No yeah. one wants win, to see win. me. Win-win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, because I'm dealing with different clients and things, they all want me to sign into their particular video conferencing app, the one they've chosen for their business, which could be Skype or Zoom or GoToMeeting or Google yep. Hangouts or Join.me. the because
0: you have to install Ugh. stuff and then you've you got like four or five different video apps on your computer that you don't right. want. Yeah, I've been there. And you
1: only need them infrequently, but mm-hmm. they're there mm-hmm. and it's, it's... And normally you only realise with about 90 seconds before the call begins or maybe two minutes after it was supposed to begin. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's not a phone number for you to ring, but you have to go in through a particular app. It's, it's, uh, you have to download yeah, it. Yeah, you have
0: to download it. and you, then you Okay, have to so think. you're going to complain about first world problems. Okay, good. Carry right. on. So <laughs> that's the whole show
1: crawl. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to actually talk about one of these today, which is Zoom and specifically the I Mac. used Zoom. Yes, well, it's very popular. Have you used Zoom as well, Charles? Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Yes, uh, I ha- I, we use Zoom as our corporate choice. That's
2: what we use. We have it installed oh. in all the boardrooms and there on you all go. the computers.
1: Hey. How interesting. Um, do you have any Macs in your office at all, may I ask? Graham, I'm not sure I should tell you. I'm not, no, I'm, maybe I, think I
2: may shouldn't. I I may be incriminating myself. If I do, we may or may not have some Macs in this office.
1: The issue today is specifically with the Mac version of Zoom. It's a very popular video conference app, not just Shell using it as SensePost down in no, Cape Town. Otherwise, I wouldn't have anyone to talk to.
0: I, you know <laughs> right, what? Exactly. I can, yeah, I have actually been asked to install it by a leading security, IT security firm. Don't, oh, really? do cool. yeah. Don't do it, Don't do it. No, this was, a, this was a long time ago, but oh. that's how it ended up on my system. Yeah. Well, cool. you
1: wouldn't be alone because around about three quarters of a million businesses around the world are using this app. It's one of the leading video Including conference shelves. apps. Including us. <laughs> Including us. Uh, now, this week, a security researcher has uncovered and released details of a vulnerability that can allow any web page to open up a video call with a Mac user who's already installed Zoom without asking permission. In other words, if you go to a dodgy web page, your webcam can be hijacked into a Zoom video conference and people could spy on you without you realizing. It's time to
0: liquid paper those cameras, isn't it?
1: It is. I have
2: some, I have some naughty plasters we could use. (laughs) (laughs) Do, Do you call them plasters?
0: What do you yeah, call yes. band-aids, oh. band-aids, band-aids years, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. naughty band-aids. Now, when I first saw this headline saying Zoom, and I thought, oh, crumbs, you know, I've probably installed that at some stage. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have to uninstall it, because I don't use it regularly, but just sometimes with some clients. Now, you might think that taking that nuclear option of uninstalling Zoom, you know, dragging it into your trash can on your Mac means that you're no longer at risk of having someone unexpectedly spying on you. But I'm afraid, piff, paf, poof, that is not true. That is piffle because Zoom has a little trick.
0: Because so, sorry, when... let me just back up for a second. Mm. This is the legitimate Zoom app. This is not a fake right. Zoom app or anything like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a slick little app which you have on your Mac and you can, like any other Mac application, go into the applications folder and drag it into the trash can and it should be deleted and uninstalled. It's a fairly easy sort of process, but it doesn't actually get rid of everything which it installed because it turns out Zoom, when you first install it, also installs a little bit of web server code onto your Mac.
0: Potentially unwanted Software. Yeah. Well,
1: exactly. Potentially Mm -hmm. unwanted application. You Mm -hmm. know, because after you uninstall Zoom, that piece of code is still there. And do you know what it does? Tell us. If someone sends you a Zoom meeting link, if you get one in your email or something like that and you click on it, when you click on it to join that meeting later, having uninstalled Zoom, that bit of web server code gets activated. And in the background, and very, very quickly, It will reinstall Zoom onto your computer without asking your permission. And bam, Zoom is there And it
0: has probably all your old settings as well. It's all
1: set up. Yeah. So I did this this morning. I uninstalled Zoom. Yeah. because I was reading about this, and I clicked on a Zoom link, and in literally the blink of an eye, the entire app was reinstalled. And it's Not like, cool. I, I even tried to get a oh. screenshot of it as it was doing it, and it was too fast for me to do it. <laughs> <Because it's> like, <laughs> well, it you, are, you are a certain age now. So. I am. I am a bit slow.
2: So to be. no user interaction required, Graham. It just reinstalls seamlessly in the background.
0: That's right. Mm. Just by clicking on the link. You could try it right now, Shell, on your computer. Well, they would be <laughs> confessing that I run a Mac, wouldn't it? And <laughs> i can't do that <laughs> nice
1: try nice try krill nice try yeah so i i think that's first of all pretty darn rude you know installing software without my permission you know and i expect software to behave nicely if i've uninstalled it i expect it to be properly uninstalled we
0: probably wouldn't have a show if they all did that though
1: <laughs> no that's right thank heavens for rude misbehaving <laughs> software otherwise we'd where be, would our entire we'd probably be still be. working
0: in a corporation
1: right well that corporation probably wouldn't <laughs> exist would it <laughs> Probably. Um, so um, yeah. So I think we should all have control over which apps get installed on our computer. Hundred percent. I think most Mac users would expect that that thing had been uninstalled.
0: Not just Mac users. All freaking computer users should ha- be able to expect yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. See, I don't mind the idea that if I click on a, a Zoom meeting link, I don't mind if it then pops up and says, "Oh, you don't have Zoom installed. Would you like to install it?" That would be kind of acceptable to me. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't have a problem with that because then I could say, no, I don't want that ruddy software. I'll go into the web version of Zoom instead of actually installing an app. Yeah, because
2: they have Mm -hmm. a web version, don't
1: they? Yes. I think there is a web-based version, although I, I, I was looking at their support knowledge base and it sounded like almost it's up to the host of the call to decide whether it also sends you a link to the web Version of the meeting rather than using the app, which that seems makes rather sense crazy. though because
0: you would want to confuse people by sending multiple links potentially. But well, basically, uh, we're saying yeah. I, I can say as a consultant, I want the web version of everything. I do not yeah. want to install apps.
2: There's some other weird things that that researcher points out. For example, mm. that the host can dictate that when you join the meeting, your mic and camera are immediately activated. That's one of the features yeah, he's, he's abusing. But it's a feature
1: of the app. This is extraordinary. It's worth underlining. So with Zoom, by default, the meeting host has the ability to decide whether participant's video is turned on automatically when they join the meeting. And again, that, that let's talk about your trousers situation, Charles. <laughs> Potentially, that's disastrous, right? If you, <laughs> if you dropped your pen <laughs> or your notes on the floor just as you were clicking on the link and then your are would never go back.
2: We would never go back.
1: I mean, I know you're not a her suit. Cha- I mean, you've got a beard, don't you? But you're, you're you're. How can I put it? You're sort of focally challenged on the top of your a head. Little. I have no idea what's going on on your bottom, but that Thankfully. could be broadcast to everyone else yeah. on the video conference. Yeah, it could be well, out there again.
0: Band aids are the solution to this. It's sounding more and more
1: like it. What? Yeah.
0: The- <laughs> not not on the the, the, the camera yes exactly
1: yes 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 (laughs) careful which hole you cover up uh yeah could lead to problems but yeah so okay so the the researcher pointed this out and he said look this isn't good because basically because this all can be done with just a link potentially a bad guy could booby trap a web page to initiate the link or trick people into clicking on it or maybe even use malvertising to open up a video conference in stream with someone and and the researcher reported that to Zoom and Zoom's response was a little bit snidey, I thought. It, it felt a little what did they bit say? like, well, they didn't really acknowledge it. They said, well, look, the, the reason why we've implemented our software in this way is because it's a legitimate solution to poor user experience problem. In other words, they're yeah. saying we've saved you a click. Yeah, and we want our users to have faster one click to join meetings rather than have to confirm that they really want to do it. And I think, yep. well, come I, on,
0: we I c- know, but I, I get, I, I agree with you. I agree, obviously, because I, you know, but I can understand that there are many times when a service provider has to make a call of how many features to add to to improve a service. And Mm. may not, you know, and this is why baked in security is so important. You need to have a security expert in those meetings. Sorry, Graham, I know we won't call on you, but, you know, we need people in those meetings from the get-go to think, hey, guys, whoa, whoa, that may not be all that secure.
1: But in a video conferencing system where it's possible for the host to determine if your microphone and your video is enabled instantly, then that seems really rough that that person doesn't have a choice. And they they don't have the ability to...
0: But I also, you know, as well as I do, that when we do these things, sometimes people can't find the right mics or the right headphones or et cetera. And, you know, maybe they don't know how to turn it on. And, you know, sometimes you can grease the wheels yeah. a bit. I, and I'm just saying there's two sides to every coin, two yeah. sides.
2: Well, you know, it seems to me like the, the, the approach of running a web server locally on a machine and the, the, the kind of website hack that they use to create this feature, it, it just seems really hacky. It seems like a strange workaround. And, you know, we, we, we all know how this goes. I think um, you've got a feature set like that and one vulnerability gets discovered. I think we can expect that there, there'll there be more. We, we're going to see more of this. Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: you guys are going to be all over it now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we need to tell people how to get Zoom off their computers and also how to get this nasty little hidden bit of Zoom off their computers, too.
1: So there are links in the show notes where we've linked to the researcher's uh, blog article where he gives the technical instructions. Unfortunately, it isn't as easy, like I said, as just dragging the Zoom app into your trash can. You do have to uh, use some terminal commands. That's like going to the command line in order to do this properly. Zoom has said that it is changing its software. It said it, it it already said, well, look, we've, we've dealt with one of your complaints. Okay. So, uh, what, what we're doing is we've released a quick fix, which, uh, disables the meeting creator's ability to automatically enable participants' video by default. And you think, well, that's good that they've done that, right? Mm. Unfortunately, a couple of days later, that vulnerability sort of crept back into the software. So they'd fixed it, and then the fix fell off. Because they did a rollback or something. Who knows? But somehow or other, that fix is no longer present. They've also said they're going to make some other changes as well. They're Muppets. They're Muppets. So I guess we're (laughs) going to have to find out how to do this in browser rather than installing the app, aren't we?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, the porn industry proves that you don't need an app to sell a service. Right. So I think, you know, let's go back to the web. I'm a big fan of that. No installation, visit a web page, do what you need to do, and then get out of Dodge.
1: Do you take a lot of advice from the porn industry, Carol?
0: Well, there's <laughs> lot to be learned there.
1: Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Satan's school for girls. That's that's how I've decided to oh, live like my <laughs> life. Interesting.
0: I'm very happily married. That's all I've got to say. <laughs>
1: but, uh, these days, it's not really relevant, Carol. Charles, what's your story for us this week? My story
2: is about Twitter, but not the kind of Twitter where that's all YOLO and selfies. This is the Twitter account of US Cyber Command, who we know is the uh, cyber warfare branch of the U.S. military, who who've sort of been growing in prominence and getting louder and louder over the last few years.
1: And, and they don't they don't tweet out selfies of themselves, is what you're saying? They don't, that's I haven't not the kind seen thing they one. Do. I think no. they're, they're more on Instagram for that. Right.
2: Okay. And this is uh, their
0: official Twitter page. This, this is, is their about.
2: official Twitter page. Okay. Well, okay. an official Twitter page called U.S. Cyber Command Malware Alerts, and they post out warnings about things that are happening that they're aware of hmm. uh, okay. and that they think kind of civilian space should know about. And uh, on the 2nd of July, so just a few days back, they tweeted out about this Microsoft vulnerability uh, affecting Microsoft Outlook, which is the the email application that uh, Windows users use that's being exploited in the wild. But what what we can read between the lines and what a number of analysts picked up on is that what they're referring to is a campaign linked to a threat actor group, uh, which is believed to be Iranian state backed. Hackers called APT33 are exploiting this uh, Microsoft Outlook vulnerability in the wild. And Cyber Command wants us to know about it because it's a big deal.
1: So basically, we've got Iranian government-backed hackers who are attacking other countries and maybe breaking into the systems of industries uh, based overseas.
0: Using Outlook.
1: Up to all kinds of mischief. And so yeah. we've got U.S. Cyber Command, who obviously there's, there's a little bit of tension at the moment, isn't there, between America and Iran is something I picked up on. Uh, <laughs> yes, so they, they, very astute, so, Graham. So they are – try and keep my finger on the pulse. So they mm-hmm. are alerting organizations, watch out, because people are using this particular Microsoft vulnerability, and we think it's Iran who's up to it.
2: Exactly. And to summarize that sort of in a nutshell, the Forbes article that ran around this tweet, uh, the headline for that article reads, US military warns Outlook users to update immediately over hack linked to Iran. So your mm-hmm. finger is very much on the pulse, Graham. You summarized that perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> so so I'm reading into this article, and it turns out that the vulnerability is being exploited using a hacking tool called Ruler, like the thing that you you know measure distances with mm. um, and this tool as it happens was developed back in 2017 by my team uh, so my team wow
1: hang, hang on a moment so so there are Iranian government backed hackers who are trying to break into american systems and effectively the tool which they are using the weapon which they are using is was written you and your buddies.
0: Thanks, Charles. Thanks so much. In South Africa,
2: yeah. There there you have it. This this might be my greatest achievement, you know. And, and, you know, the, the story kind of rattled me because I thought, Good. You know, look, look we, we do this, right? And pen testing companies do this routinely. It's, it's how we demonstrate capability. It's how we attract people to come and work for us. It's how we warn the industry and our, and our customers. It's how we demonstrate that threats are real. And, you know, arguably this, that, that kind of disclosure of vulnerabilities and exploits uh, is a very powerful tool in moving the industry forward. And, uh, you know, I spoke to a lot of people off the back of this and asked them how they felt about it, people from my team. And they all kind of stood by this decision to to publish the exploit at the time. And, uh, and they all believed strongly it was the right thing to do.
1: You basically released this tool and this information in order to get the problem fixed because you found the problem and thought there might be a way of exploiting this. Let's build a little tool which does it. It's not as though you guys were using it maliciously yourselves.
0: But they did build the weapon that was used so to speak
2: we weaponized the vulnerability yeah that's that's true and and we use it we use that toolkit kit extensively in our in our work
0: for good for
2: good um and the vulnerability wasn't actually disclosed by us the vulnerability was disclosed by by a crowd called silent circle security sometime before we wrote the tool so the knowledge of the vulnerability was out there we just kind of shrink wrapped it and demonstrated how it could be used in a weaponized
1: way And I guess the normal way in which you actually use that in the course of your work is, would you be doing something like testing the defences of a company who's asked you to see if they are vulnerable? And this tool would be one of the methods which you use, for instance? Exactly. That's exactly how it would work. And it's it's very effective and it demonstrates a very real contemporary
2: threat, which can incidentally be exploited in a lot of other ways too, because the tool requires two things. It, It requires this outdated version of Outlook, but it also requires us to have valid credentials for that user, valid Microsoft credentials for that user. So we're demonstrating not just that bug, we're demonstrating a whole mm. class of bugs
1: linked to, you know, weak passwords or password reuse. So once you exploit this vulnerability, what can you then do with it? What's the risk to the person who's been targeted? In this case, obviously, Iran is targeting organisations in America and maybe elsewhere around the world. What could they do with it?
2: So when this vulnerability triggers, we effectively have persistent remote command and control over that user's machine with their privileges. So it's kind oh, wow. of as if we're sitting on the user's machine at their terminal, you know, at that command interface and typing commands and anything that user could do, we could do too, but remotely. And and from there once we have that control as one user, then we exploit all those um, you know, p- uh, privilege escalation lateral movement techniques that you hear people talk about. Uh and our testers would argue that once we have that that initial entry point into the network to get from there to domain administrator is a matter of days, maybe, probably hours, never weeks. It's, it's that quick and easy to go from that initial foothold to having full control of the domain for most environments.
1: So the good news is Microsoft has patched this vulnerability in Microsoft Outlook, and they did it. They did it a while back, didn't they? Yeah, they made a patch available, and and uh,
2: and of course, more recent versions of the software simply don't have those features anymore. That particular feature is now gone from the software.
0: Defunct. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. But but clearly, the selfie-taking guys at US Cyber Command are still concerned that there's going to be some organizations out there who haven't properly patched and are still vulnerable to. Uh, I'm afraid to say this again, Charles, but against your weapon, against which. Uh, Against our weapon, we're Yeah.
0: It's a really complicated situation for you guys, actually. I feel for you. It, it, is uh, a,
2: it is a complicated situation. And, you know, there was a time where this trade-off between, you know, keeping a vulnerability to yourself or exposing it was, it seemed simpler to think through you know but now in now in a world where nations and armies are using these kinds of tools effectively in kind of low level cyber wars uh, the, the equation becomes much more complicated i think
1: but come on come on come on when when you read this right when your team heard about this did you kind of think well you know this is actually the you know the, this is kind of the best endorsement we've ever had because we we we, we wrote like this thing he, a while I'd ago. I like think no. he
0: pooped his pants a little bit.
1: You know, Carol. We, we have to keep on coming back to that? <laughs> I'd like to avoid using the word poop. <laughs> Carol, what's your story for us this week?
0: So my story this week... Actually, actually Graham, would you yes. just read the following paragraph, please?
1: Okay, hang on. It's in
0: the document there.
1: You've got something in front you read of me it here. rather than
0: me. You just read that.
1: You want me to read it? Huh? Yeah. Do you work for you? Why not? Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Wonderful Carol. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You are not only a great trusted friend who is much, much funnier than me, <laughs> but also the best co-host in the world. <laughs> You're the only co-host. I've got. Really, you are much funnier <clears throat> than me, and I learned so much from you. Just wanted to hear... Just wanted you to hear it directly from me.
0: Okay, no offense, but is that the best you can do? Like, like <laughs> Wonderful, Carole. You are not a great... You know no, no. Oh, Forget it. I'm just going to deep fake it. It's probably much easier. and It'll probably be much more believable and it'll lose that sarky tone that you brought in <laughs> with your little comment there. So deep fakes. That's what we're talking about. The reason for the story is I yes. fear we're going to see a lot more of them and there's not a lot we can do about oh. it.
1: Well, that, there's a lot of talk about it, isn't there?
0: <laughs> like all things internet, though, clearly. Uh, deep fakes can be used for fun, right? Or to make a valid point. But they can also be used for the more nefarious purposes, like all that horror show of propaganda, disinformation, mm-hmm. reputation destroying mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So basically, for those that don't have a full grasp on deepfake, it basically takes existing footage, real footage of a person, and doctors the face, body, words, or clothing. So it's being used to target celebrities, politicians, and other high-profile people. And this deepfake tech is getting slicker. And I need you all to appreciate that it can be pretty darn convincing. I have put a link in the show notes. There, you guys can go see it of uh, okay. a video.
1: Hang on. Okay. Oh, for goodness. Oh, bloody Rick Astley. Rick Astley. <laughs> oh. So like Donald Trump, just
0: more I just had to Rick Roll him. It was time. It's Every couple time. of
1: months he does that.
0: <laughs> okay, no, here's so, the real link. Here's the real link. So uh, this is Steve Buscemi as Jennifer Lawrence mashed up into a kind of deep fake. I've been taught not to click on Oh my goodness! Link. Yeah. Ooh.
1: I'm looking at a video of, well, it's it's Jennifer Lawrence's lovely body, but she has the face of Steve Buscemi, <laughs> which I have to say is slightly alarming. Um, <laughs> But I don't I don't think this would fool me into thinking it's really Jennifer Lawrence. No, Crow. It's not it's the exactly, most convincing.
0: Exactly, Exactly. <laughs> you see, in this case. This mashup isn't set to dupe us, right? We're kind of, as the viewers, we're in on the joke. We know it's Jennifer Lawrence and Steve Buscemi being mashed up together. Right, right. But there are many deep fakes out there that are designed to bully people or mislead us humans. And the worry is the tech is getting much, much better at it. And people are figuring out much more nefarious ways to work with it. So just last week, there was this Windows app that came on the market called Deep Nude. Oh, that was horrendous, wasn't it? Right? And it oh. cost something like $50.
1: Exactly. It was so expensive. It was horrendous how much <laughs> one had to pay for, to get hold the, of I, it. Yes. Yeah.
0: And you know what? It was taken down very soon after it was made public, thanks largely due to the tech press led by Motherboard for vilifying it for its gross raison d'etre, right? And get this. This is how it happened. You would load up a picture of a clothed woman, is the idea, and using its right. so-called AI the woman would be transformed from a clothed woman to a nudie fake version. Basically, all her clothes are stripped off. And the first thing I wonder when I saw the story is why they keep talking about women. Surely, you what happens if you load up a man? And what happens is you still get a fake female bit, a female growler, instead of the meat and two veg.
1: <laughs> oh, right. So if you use this against me, you would see uh, my naked, my face, but I'd have breasts and things.
0: You'd have boobies well. and a little, yeah. And Which a little.
1: I don't have in real life. Mubies, Graham. I heard on a previous show that you
0: have <laughs> movies <Moobies. laughs> I heard it at the source. Or mitts. Mitties is another great one. Yeah, M-
1: Mitties? <laughs> what are mitties?
0: Mantits. Oh, for <laughs> goodness
1: sake. Not, to,
2: not to diminish how gross... This idea is, I do see a legitimate business application. Okay. Shoot. When used in conjunction with the right kind of video conferencing application, it could be (laughs) used to remove your trousers if you happen to accidentally be wearing some.
0: Or we could reverse engineer it and add add trousers on you. So you could be sitting there right nude, but actually look fully dressed in your sports slacks and uh, blue button-down Oxford shirt. I why
2: you're the host of
1: the show and I'm only a guest. I am (laughs) reinstalling Zoom right now. (laughs) It's going back on my system.
0: But the the point is, the point is, this app, Deep Nude, it's very easy to see how people could be bullied by it. My goodness, yes. It's an awful thing. And and the other thing that happened just this week was Semantic has just reported that it sees what it believes to be deep faked audio of CEOs being used by fishers. To trick basically the company financial controller into transferring cash over to the fake CEO. So that, that's interesting. So, so these these are these business email compromises
1: where someone. Well, there's a variety of ways you can do it, but you could ring up pretending to be the CEO and go, "Okay, you know, I'm ringing up from head office in Glasgow." It's, it's
0: exactly like a, vi- a like a voice fish, right? Move a thousand
1: pounds into this bank account, yeah. And b- because they've grabbed the audio from earnings the calls, the real or, CEO, yeah, it, it would sound like the real. See, gosh, that's very devious, isn't it? And if they combined that with background noises of an office and things, then it would maybe even seem more convincing. Golf clubs, right?
0: if it's the like, <laughs> the golf yeah. cart the golf cart <laughs> um, it's similar to the smashing security story Jessica Barker did on our show on episode 134 where she was talking about how scammers used bad lighting and a 3d printed mask to dupe millions in france to give out money to help the government anyway it's a great story go listen to it episode 134 you know
2: what that's called carol what's that called bad light and cheaply printed 3d masks that's not deep fake that's cheap fake <laughs>
0: great no, i didn't even <laughs> invent that's what it's called kaboom i didn't know yeah, that it's cheap it.
2: fakes <laughs> the cheap fakes refers to like if they're just slowing a video down for example to make someone look drunk or just cutting a part out of a video you know there's no real machine learning or ai it's just kind of really cheap and dirty hacking with media
0: right so they did that to nancy pelosi right so we would call that a that cheap would be a fake cheap as fake. opposed to a deep yeah. fake okay today i learned Yep.
2: Yeah. I saw a demo by Adobe of a piece of software they were planning to release that would take a voice recording of someone delivering a speech or in a meeting. I think they said they needed maybe it was 20, maybe it was 40 minutes of text. So it's fairly significant amount. And then while a person was speaking, they could transcribe voice to text in real time, so you could see the words, it would appear on your console. And then you could change words in that text. And it would play it back in that person's voice, even if you used words that weren't in the original recording. you yeah. could literally in real time on a Windows GUI app change what's I saw said. that
0: so it needs about a few hours of video, apparently that's what this seems to be the consensus for my research this morning, right? You, you need about a few, okay, a few hours sometimes I've seen forty minutes, but you need about a few hours to make a really good deep fake. and people are saying it is a lot of work, so people aren't going to do this for. For no return, right? right. There's gonna be a game plan.
1: So if I had some footage of Carole speaking, for instance, I could get her to convincingly say words like whilst. Whilst sort of foot gagging, yeah. Yes. Surely she would say whilst anyway. No,
0: I no, I would never. Right.
1: Isn't that the correct apparently she's got some sort of issue. Isn't that the proper English? No. Yes, it is. Thank that's you. that's what I would no, sure. You know? <laughs> no, yes, exactly. No, now, I very wise. Excellent guest, excellent guest.
0: I know what you all are wondering, how the heck do I handle this? How do I spot them? And right now, you know, there's no reliable reverse engineering to a deep fake as yet that I'm aware of. So I was looking around to see what people recommended. And I have to agree with Slate journalist Jane C. Hugh, okay. because... What she suggests seems to be the best for me. Perhaps you don't want to get lured by a deep fake. You need to get familiar about them. Right. So there's like, for example, on Reddit, there's a subreddit called get fakes. And there's <laughs> not lots... get,
1: not get face, but <laughs> no, get fakes,
0: get fakes. <laughs> yep. And there's many, many hundreds of examples, right? And you can look at those images and those videos and look at the lighting. Look for fuzziness around the neck where it connects to the body. Look at fuzziness around the mouth, face discolorations, and you know you need to teach your brain what to look for. And that's basically how you train yourself for it. Oh, that is, Boy. you know, that is so hopeless. Yes, because technology is going to get better and those lines are going to become imperceptible to the human
2: eye. We still haven't solved that problem for something as simple as fishing, right? Whether these clear technical markers Mm. and, and, you know, of course, also that your brain sees what it wants to see, right? It's cognitive dissonance. You, people are going to believe it. I think it's awful. right,
0: Graham. So maybe if you don't want me to create a deep fake of you saying nice things to me, maybe you in real life should say nice things to me more often. That would be one way to do
1: it. Yeah. Maybe maybe you could give me some reasons to say nice things.
0: <laughs> Let me share one last weird thought that I had when I was preparing for this story. So I'm doing this, right? And I'm thinking, you yeah. know, in a way, if the internet gets littered with deep fakes, mm-hmm. we actually, in a way, get our privacy back because none of it's real. Or you can deny or everything. real and not real, you have no idea. Yeah. So everything's a lie or or unprovable is a lie or truth. So we basically go back to square one on privacy fronts. That's true. Because you know, you an employer wouldn't be able to trust the deep fake to say, "Oh, you can't get a job because you you know photocopied your butt when you're 14 at the your dad's office because it won't be online."
2: And I could Which claim that I was actually did... wearing trousers on that. Zoom Exactly.
0: Port. You did
1: what in your dad's
2: office?
0: Oh. <laughs> I didn't. I'm just. All
1: right. Well, I've just heard you say <laughs> it, haven't I? I can take that audio. Thank you very much. That's
2: a cheap fake, Graham.
1: Cheap, cheap fake. <laughs>
0: We are sponsored this week by our friends at LastPass. Now, Graham, isn't it something like 90% of security breaches involve stolen password or a poor password?
1: Yeah, stolen passwords, poorly chosen passwords, reused passwords. Passwords are really sort of the hinge pin of so many security attacks which happen, which means that you probably want an enterprise password manager like the one offered by LastPass.
0: Listeners can learn all about LastPass Enterprise at lastpass.com forward slash Smashing.
1: You don't have to say forward slash. By the way, you can just say slash. Just so you know. If you're baffled by threat intelligence and how it might be able to help secure your company, the Threat Intelligence Handbook from Recorded Future is the book for you. It'll tell you what threat intelligence is and what it isn't, and you'll learn how other firms are applying threat intelligence inside their organizations. Grab it now for free at smashingsecurity.com/intelligence. And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. That, what? Pick of the Week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the one thing a guest has to do. It's the one thing we ask them to do. Every time. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website or an app, whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, I am going to go back in time once again for my pick of the week, but further back in time than normal. I'm going all the way back to 1868. Oh, do you remember that time? I don't remember that time. No, no. But there was a book published, a mechanical encyclopedia, published by a chap called Henry T. Brown. Have you heard of 507 Mechanical Movements? mechanisms and devices. It's it's a classic. Are you trying to prove
0: to the world that you're quite intelligent?
1: No, I'm trying to prove to the world I've been on Wikipedia. I heard it here first, Graham. I heard it here first. (laughs) So this... 507 Mechanical Movements. Its subtitle is, it embraces all those which are most important in dynamics, hydraulics, hydrostatics, pneumatics, steam engines, mill and other gear in presses, horology and miscellaneous machinery. Now, I'm not recommending as my pick of the week the actual book, which is now in the public domain. You can go and check it out. But instead, a website which has taken all these mechanical movements and has animated them. So So you
0: don't have to read any words. Cool. Which is
1: my preference. (laughs) So, if you go to five o seven movements dot com uh-huh you will see a number of these things and go there and click on some of the ones which are in red there and you will see little animations of gears moving and Pulleys going in reverse, and yeah, it's oh, kind of cool, God. Graham. It is kind of cool, and yeah. levers moving. And this is this. There's 507 ways that they've documented in this ancient Hold book.
0: On. I'm gonna, I'm tweeting this to my nephew right now. I think right. he's gonna be in heaven. Yeah, Graham. And, did
2: you notice that some of these don't have the animations? Is that right, or is it just my internet that's broken?
1: Not all of them have yet been animated, right. sadly, but uh, a, a good few have. This is
0: fantastic. Mm. I've seen about one out of five so far have been animated. I think I'm
1: not sure if it's quite that bad. I think it's I think it's quite good, but it's 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 rather lovely. I'm going to use this to teach my four year
0: old. It's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And myself
0: exactly and you can sound really knowledgeable by just reading the little the the script at the bottom this is a screw propeller son
1: obviously (laughs) seriously (laughs) it is worth looking through because it is especially with the animations you really get a sense for how these different things work and how ingenious it all
2: is i find it wonderful that these things all have names you know, have, have you ever had these mm-hmm. conversations where you try and describe to someone that kind of mechanism? You know, that thing that the engine where it pushes down those other things that go around, that turn the gears, that turn the wheel. And actually, all those things yeah. actually have names.
1: Yep.
0: 406 doesn't.
1: <laughs> 406 doesn't. doesn't. Nope. <laughs> I think Carole is just an abandoned I'm looking at today. a triangular eccentric at the moment, given an intermittent reciprocating rectilinear motion. Oh, what? Apparently, is used in France for steam engines, for the guillotine. Oh, for steam engines. I have to
0: say, I don't, I don't know if we're selling it very well on a podcast, but I well, do think like, it's a very good website, Graham. I think people should check it out, particularly if you're just in engineering or you have kids that like things that move right. around. Yeah. Right,
1: right. Yeah. 507movements.com. And that is my pick of the week. Good pick, Graham. Thank you very much. Charles, what is your pick of the week? Well,
2: before I give you my pick, Graham, I have a test for you. I need you to try yes. and pronounce me the word that is spelt X H O S A.
1: X H O S <laughs> A. X H O R. <laughs> now, um, I've I've got a feeling like, well, I'm sure I can't pronounce it correctly, but I I think i I think I know what language this is. And uh, yeah. Corel, do you have any idea how you say this? Because I think it's quite unusual, isn't it? It's Uh, not like Frank, it's not, it's (laughs) not Frank, Frank Frank. it's it's not Xhosa, it's not Chosa, but there's there's. isn't there some clicking or something? Isn't it like, there's some clicking. Yeah. Can you do it for us? You know,
2: I'm not very good. I learned this language at school, but my tongue is not uh, accustomed to it, but I'm going to do my best. So the word is Tossa, X-H-O-S-S, Tossa. Tossa. Yeah, and it's a Tossa. It's the name <laughs> Tossa. No, Graham, not, no, Graham, no. <laughs> Tossa, uh, and it's the name of a South African tribe and a language. We have eleven here, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they have three clicks. There's the X, which is, and the C, which is, and then the best one is the Q, which is.
1: Oh, oh I like that one. Yeah. Oh,
2: so, for example, my son's nickname is Kakambile, which means uh, the light. Oh, uh, anyway. Oh, aw, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> uh, the reason I mention it is because my pick of the week is a book by a South African author called Trevor Noah, who is unusual in South Africa because his mother was a tosser uh, and his father was a Swiss German.
0: Is this Trevor Noah, Trevor Noah?
2: Trevor Noah, Trevor Noah. The comedian. Oh, the comedian, yeah. yes who took over from John Stewart exactly, uh, as host he, of the daily yeah, show. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so long before he was uh, hosting the daily show, he was a stand-up here in South Africa. Right. Extremely funny. Yes. Yep. Really. He's the kind of guy that, um, you know, you can only listen to for little bits because you start to hurt in all kinds of places. <laughs> a bit like Carol.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I listened to her for a while and I begin to feel for, quite painful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. No. Well, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> And 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 he does
2: this. He does a, he does a sort of comedy that's that's very local. So you know, as a South African, you can really relate to him. He talks right. for us, and because he's half white and half black, he really speaks into the sort of contemporary South African context, which is still mm. you know kind of trying to come out of apartheid, still very racialized, still very kind of confused about where it's at and what it's uh, what it's doing. So what's the book about? So, so the book is a memoir. Uh, it's called Born a Crime: Stories from a South African Childhood, and he, he really tells his story and uses it to be to be funny, to comment on the context in South Africa, uh, to talk you know very lovingly about his mom. Uh, it's one of those books that uh, that that really does a whole lot of things all in one go. So at times you'll laugh, at times you'll cry, uh, at times you'll you'll learn. Um, oh. I highly recommend it. He's he's very funny, he's very insightful, he's very smart. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm gonna take a look for that.
1: Okay, and it's called, uh, what, what, what was it? Born, born a Crime. Born a Crime. Born a Crime, born a born crime. crime. yeah. Stories Fantastic. of growing up in South Africa. Okay, thank you very much. Good pick of the week. Crow. what's your pick of the week?
0: Okay, so I'm going to use my uh, tween niece's vernacular here, okay? Oh, yes. yes. I love me some trees. <laughs> That's how <she> does. <laughs> I love, I, love some some I love me some chocolate. I love me. Anyway, um, so I'm visiting family right now, as we all know. And my parents have a rather manicured garden, you know, like full of flower beds and trees and all this. Right. And my mom is often out there weeding, 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 weeding. And I was watching her the other day, just pulling out all of these baby maple saplings and throwing them into the compost. Right. Yeah. And I, who love trees, mm-hmm. think, why aren't we putting those in little clay pots and see what happens? What a fab present that would be for someone. Yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So my pick of the week this week is actually an article that I saw in National Geographic, and it's basically talks about how, using Google Earth, scientists have found almost a billion hectares of land that is basically good for plants, so we could plant forests on that almost one billion hectares. Restoring. This is great. Gigatons, hundreds and hundreds of gigatons of carbon back to the atmosphere. So this is based on a report that was published last Thursday in Science, and it's called the Global Tree Restoration Potential, and found there's enough suitable land to increase the world's forest cover by one third without affecting existing cities or agriculture. Amazing! Wow! Amazing. See, technology for the good. good. This is a super clever idea, but it is yet still just an idea, right? And if we want to help curb Mm -hmm. the glut of carbon emissions, yes. Plant a frickin' tree, right? Plant a tree. Put a few tree weeds in a pot and give them to loved ones. Guess what you're getting for Christmas, Graham?
1: I think, Carol, you need to scrabble around in your mum's compost heap right now <laughs> and pick out those saplings.
0: Yeah, and
2: yeah. Maybe you can find some old wrapping paper in there too, Carol, <laughs> for Graham's Christmas It's not gift. worth that. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, you know what the other technique is you could use to reduce carbon emissions by 25%? I, I heard this is legit. I heard this. Okay. You feed garlic to cows. Oh, there you go. A I bet story. that would work. Apparently, apparently, feeding garlic to cows reduces the amount that they... And we've of said methane. it before, so I'm just going to yeah. say it. Did exactly. you read
1: this on the internet? I saw it on TV, Graham. Oh, <laughs> so oh
2: well, it's it completely believable. Be it must, it be must, true. Be true. must
0: be true. <laughs> I'm sure well, they wouldn't true. have found it on true the internet. True
2: story. But apparently it's not universal, so it depends on the where the cow's from and what they eat. But for certain kinds of cows, if you give them... It's the it's the garlic extract, whatever the sort of active ingredient in garlic is. It significantly reduces the amount of methane in it. I and have tested in a lab. S- there's a lab for this. <laughs> <laughs> <Really?
1: What? laughs> there's a lab yeah. where they're force feeding cows garlic
2: and measuring how much they poop.
1: How evil is this? Which is, is the this? scientific part. I have heard before that if we stopped eating beef and instead we switched over to kangaroo meat, that would be good because apparently kangaroos don't fart.
0: Or just go vegetarian, Graham. Okay?
1: That's also yep. possible. But then we'd be increasing Total our vegan. emissions as well, wouldn't we? Mm. Hmm. Wow. Mm. Well this is well, on that bombshell, I think we've just about wrapped up the show for this week. Um Shal, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Graham,
2: the best way is to follow me on Twitter. I'm gonna have to spell out my Twitter handle, because it's a bit complicated. So it's <laughs> Shal V D Vault, which is C-H-A-R-L-V-D-W-A-L-T. That's uh, without a G, because Twitter wouldn't allow <laughs> me to have a G in my Or online, uh, secdata.com, S-E-C-D-A-T-A.
1: Fantastic. And you can follow us on Twitter at smashinsecurity, no G, Twitter has to have a G. And we are also got our website at smashinsecurity.com. And maybe you want to check us out on Reddit or indeed our online store. We can get mugs and T-shirts and things like
0: that, smashinsecurity.com slash store. And as always, huge thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, LastPass and Recorded Future. Their support helps us give you this show for free. So be sure to check out their offers. And fist bumps to you listeners out there, especially those of you who get in touch with your emails and reviews and your shares. They all mean the world to us.
1: Until next week, Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Don't forget our Mimi. Don't forget Aunt Mimi. Shout out to her as well. Best aunt. Aunt Mimi. I don't think any of the others listen.